Welcome to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we have conversations about prayer and motherhood for today's Christian mom. I'm your host, Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. It's the combination of the two that makes this podcast different. Not just motherhood, not just prayer, both. Prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. And because of that, my goal is to help you see it not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. Hey friends, you're listening to the second episode in our incredibly encouraging and challenging time with Elise Fitzpatrick and Eric Shoemaker about their book, Jesus and Gender. Remember, our goal for this season is to shake off habits or beliefs in the Christian parenting world that are just not biblical and replace them with a gospel-centered look at what the Bible has to say about understanding the genders and parenting both genders to look like Jesus. If you missed the first episode, please go back and listen to it. There is so much there, so much that we as Christian parents need to hear. Just don't miss it. And if you love these episodes, and I know you will, and want me to be able to offer more like them, consider becoming a part of the Million Praying Moms Patreon community for just $5 a month, or you can get one month free when you commit to the whole year. You'll automatically have an almost unlimited library of prayer resources at your fingertips. Things like prayer calendars, topical prayer guides, a blank prayer journal, and more. Just visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com to learn more. With that in mind, let's dive right back into the ongoing conversation with Elise and Eric. In the book, you guys use a new term to describe what you believe is a more gospel-centered way to look at the issue of gender in the Bible. And I, I will say it's not a it's not a totally new word, but it is a newly applied by you word to this specific issue. And the word is Christic. So I would love if we could take a moment and explain what Christic means and how it can and should shape our understanding of our sons and daughters and in turn the way we parent them. Well, yeah, that word Christic, it was, like you said, we wanted to begin and develop an understanding of gender that is centered on the gospel, on the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth as the Son of God, who is his Messiah, who died for our sins and rose from the dead. And so what word describes being like Jesus Christ? And it came down to Christic or Jesus-y. And Christic is way better. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> for those that don't like Christic, you know, it could have been Jesus-y. So yeah. just, just uh, but that that's what we're getting at is it, it's something that is, described by or looks like or is in conformity to Christ. And we're really taking our cue from Philippians chapter two, where we look at the incarnation and we see that even though Christ had uh, all the power and riches and glory that goes with being the fullness of God, which uh, he was as the second person of the Trinity forever and ever, and still is. He did not consider that something to be exploited. 
to use it for his own advantage, particularly uh, over other people. And instead, he he took on human nature. He he became like his brothers and sisters in every respect, and he voluntarily humbled himself. He wasn't humbled. He humbled himself uh, to the point of obeying God to death on a cross for our sins so that he could redeem us. And that's what it looks like to be Christic. And so we're interested in seeing uh, men and women understand themselves and understand each other, not through a lens of who's the boss, who has the authority, and who needs to do the submitting. Uh, But whichever position we find ourselves in and however you and your church might interpret those few passages on who gets to be ordained as an elder and what headship and submission means in the covenant of marriage. The starting place is what does it look like to take all of my advantage and privilege and power and wealth and to never exploit it for my own gain, but to voluntarily humble myself to serve others, even at the cost of my own life and well-being, so that they can flourish. That's that's what it means to be Christic or yeah. Jesus-y. Yeah, or Jesus-y, either way. Yeah. I love that. Elise, would you add anything to that? I really like Jesus-y, Eric. I mean, I don't terrible. know. Why didn't we? Yeah, we well, because I have the authority in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> You think that. Um, uh, Yeah, you know, getting back to that Philippians 2 passage, it's so important. And, you know, verse 5, Paul is talking to the brothers and sisters uh, there in uh, Philippi, and he says, have this attitude. Have this attitude, which was also in Christ Jesus who, though he existed in the form of God, did not, as Eric said, think that his equality with God was something to be exploited. So let's say that you think, whether you're male or female, that you're the person with the authority in the relationship. Um, That's not something we're going to fuss about. We have our opinions, but we're not going to fuss about it. Right. Even if you are the person who has the authority, you're not supposed to exploit it. So let's say that I think I have the authority, then in my authority, I choose, I have agency, and I choose to lay down my rights and give them up for uh, for the other. And, you know, when you talk about what does it mean to be a Christic male or a Christic female, you know, one of the places that you need to look is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. So if you start looking at that fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, all of those things, if you look at those qualities, you would almost say they're feminine. I mean, you know, if if we're talking about the way... They do seem to describe what the world thinks of as a more feminine Right, mm-hmm. right. But see, that is what it looks like. That's what your life will look like if the Holy Spirit is working. 
the results of the Spirit's work in your life is going to be those things. So what does it mean to be a Christic male? It means the same thing as it does to be a Christic female. A person who has the fruit of the Spirit, a person who is seeking zealously to fulfill the Great Commission. And those are the things that we really need to focus on instead of, you know, how does a girl dress or how does a boy dress so that they look more masculine or feminine? I, You know, I live in Southern California. I'm glad if they're wearing clothes at all. Okay. That's good. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, all right. Well, let's move on then to this question. And I think this one is important because I think sometimes in our culture, you know, the more there has been, no one can deny that there has been a power struggle between the sexes over the years. What I have found, and I think maybe I'm especially sensitive to it because I am raising boys, is that the more power uh, women tend to get, the more oppressed, like the it, it just seems to be the way it is. If one gets power, the other one gets more oppressed. And and so I thought it might be nice for us to talk about attitudes or beliefs that Christian parents should look for in their own hearts about the opposite sex that are not Christian, that are not biblical, so that we can call them what they are and not allow them to influence the next generation. I'll, I'll take a stab at it, and then Elise can give you the right answer. I think that is a fantastic question, and I think we should always be asking ourselves, where is my understanding and attitude toward the opposite sex not Christic? And often, I think, our reactions tell us a lot about where our heart is at. and so. You know, to see someone of the opposite gender or to hear of them doing something, saying something, what is our initial response? Oh, that is so like a man. That is so like a woman where we've just classified and stereotyped everybody in that category or the jokes that we make or we don't make and or the things we say or don't say. And when it depends on context. So if, for example, I'm a pastor, if I'm in a meeting with other pastors or in an elder meeting where we only have men present and there are things being said about what women are like, about the women, uh, or you're just in a locker room full of guys and locker room talk is happening and things are being said about women to ask yourself the question, would I be comfortable saying this, laughing at this, hearing this, if other women were around? And if not, why not? And if I'm not comfortable with it, how am I going to react right now? Am I only going to correct the misogynistic statement or joke if a woman's around? But if it's just guys, I won't laugh and I won't participate, but I'm not going to stop it. That that reveals something. The things that you catch yourself saying to your kids about, now remember, you're going to grow up to be a man. And when you do, 
like what follows that and how would it be different for speaking to your daughter about growing up to be a woman and how would you defend that biblically now sometimes that's not going to be defensible biblically because it's a cultural thing and you need to say to your daughter this is something you need to be aware of when you become a woman because of how our culture is but i i think you know those times when we're not consciously controlling our reactions and our words and they're coming out of us instinctually those can be good things to reflect upon and even at church you know what do i assume when suddenly i see a woman present where a woman wasn't present before or what do i assume about a man when he uh, is rude to me or a little short with me? Do I assume he thinks that about all women and that's because I'm a woman? Or would he have done that to any person regardless of gender in that situation? And, and of course, uh, kids are wonderful for exposing these things in us because they're going to ask questions. And they're so honest in their questions. And they don't know they're not supposed to ask, why do the boys get to do that but not the girls? And you can take a shortcut and give them a culturally defined easy answer or you can wrestle through uh these these issues through faith in Christ yeah i think that's probably key is that they just have to be wrestled with mm-hmm. and it's not probably a one and done kind of situation it's really more of an ongoing outworking of this you know christic view of manhood and womanhood is is allowing yourself to ask the question am i asking my son or daughter or or am i reflecting on this man or woman in light of who jesus is or who the culture says that person is you know how am i how am i identifying that elise would you have anything to add to that discussion yeah i just you know again um the war has been going on since the beginning you know, since the fall, um, Adam throws Eve under the bus. And then, um, you know, the next chapter in Genesis, we hear about Lamech, who is threatening his wives with abuse. Um, and that's not to say that women don't do those sorts of things. That's just, you know, it's just it's just rife. Part of what it means that we live in this sin-cursed world is that I have views of gender that are sinful and wrong and need to be repented of, and I have to be careful. Um, The other day, I'll I'll give you an example from my own life. The other day, I uh, received an email from someone who was asking me to be part of a series of... um, Uh, teachings that were going to happen at a church and they wanted me to come in and, and it's, and it's about gender. So they're asking me to come in. And so when I read the email, I was asked to just basically talk about my experience. And I, I mean, you know, we do so much work in this area. My brain is just, I'm just, I'm just drenched all the time with this. And it's very easy for me 
to see that email and say, yeah, the reason that he's asking me just to share my experience is because he doesn't want me to actually go to the Bible and teach anything. And that may very well be true. But it's really important then for me, you know, how do we how do we get at that? I I took the email and gave it to Phil and I my husband and I said, what what do you think of this? Do you think this is what's going on? And he said, mm, I it it may sort of be, but I don't think he means it the way you think he means it. See, so that's you know, I'm willing to say my perspective is probably skewed because I do so much work in this area, but I need somebody else to help me. I need somebody to say, no, you're wrong. Or you may be, you're, you're probably misinterpreting it. Um, so, you know, again, if we start from the perspective that we live in a sin-cursed world, and yes, in fact, that sin is part of my life, it's not just out there, it's part of me, then because the gospel tells me that I've been forgiven for my sin, and Jesus has already said everything about me that needs to be said, then I don't have to protect myself, and I can go to other people and say, am I seeing this wrong? And that, I think, is what we, is if we can model that in front of our kids, that, I think, will really help in us understanding uh, one another. I, I may be wrong about these things. Please tell me. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, the whole point of your book is living as sisters and brothers in Christ. It's a togetherness. It's a, you know, God, God created both of us. Uh, male and female to work together toward a mission. And, and that just speaks to that beautifully. I think um, we've, we've talked about a lot of things today. Some have been easy to swallow and some maybe have not for some of our, our listeners. I remember the first time that I read a Christian parenting book. Um, my boys were really little and this particular book really moved me and challenged me to look at parenting differently than I had before. But I was also pretty overwhelmed with the amount of time and energy that it felt like it was going to take to accomplish this new vision of parenting that I felt like God had given me. So you guys have given us a lot to think about. Um, many of us maybe have a different view of parenting boys and girls than we had before. And I wonder if maybe some of our listeners might feel like I did years ago, which is slightly overwhelmed by <laughs> taking everything in because it, it is a radically different way of looking, I think, of looking at um, the issue than, than what we have been taught for all these years to look at it. So what would you say to the overwhelmed listener right now to help them leave our time in the right mental, emotional, and spiritual space? I would just start off by saying um, success at parenting is not on you. I mean, the good news is that salvation comes from the Lord. And as Christian parents, the primary thing we want from our children, for our children, is their salvation. And so we, we want to say it's not on you. You can partner together with your child and run to Jesus together, but it's not up to you to shape your child's heart. And Isaiah 12, 2 
says, Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. So it's on him. So what we want to do then is try to be faithful parents, knowing that we're going to fail. Right. It's a given. It's a given. Yeah. And your parenting doesn't make your kids into Christians. That's the work of God. So it's not on you. So you can relax and let some of that anger and fear drain out of your parenting and just partner with your children and run to Jesus together as sinners. Yeah. That's beautiful. What would you add, Eric? I, I think Elise is exactly right. And, you know, when we hear something about parenting, I know when I when we were looking, you know, be in the process of becoming parents for the first time, I just wanted to know it was right. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I supposed to do? Just give me a formula and I'll do it. I yes, promise. yes. And I want to know the best formula mm-hmm. to do it. And that's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And when we feel that way, it's good to stop and ask the question, why do I feel that way? You know, what am I afraid of if I don't land on the best method of parenting? And we're afraid that we're going to ruin our kids. Well, go read Romans 3 and remember that they were born that way. Like, they were already ruined by the fall, as were you. And the reason that there's, you know, we're... The central instruction in the New Testament on raising kids is to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And the Lord, in Paul's letters, is Jesus Christ, the the one who died for our sins, was raised from the dead. And the only way you can know that Lord is to confess that you're a sinner and that your righteousness is all in him. And he took all your curse. And because you're clothed in his righteousness, the father smiles upon you and he loves you and delights in you. And he's for you and he's on your side. And if we're parenting in a way that says, if I don't do everything right, then my kids are lost. But if I do everything right, then they're saved. Uh, then we've already failed at bringing them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord because we're parenting out of the fear of something else. And I, you know, it's, it's just good to remember that. um, And of course we want to be wise, you know, I mean, there's, that's the other thing about parenting in the new Testament is there's only two verses that speak to it. And they both essentially say the same thing and they're not detailed at all. And that means God has given us just a remarkable breadth of freedom in how to raise our kids in the fear of, of Christ. And we get so messed up in church where we start fighting about what way God wants us to raise our kids. And he hasn't said that. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's just that you, you're free from that. Yeah. Um, and you're free to go ask experienced parents, like, just keep in mind what God's commanded and what he hasn't. And it's great to ask wisdom from people and say, what do I do when my kid's doing this? Was anything you found that worked and realized every kid's different, every situation's different. It might not work for you. Um, and 
yeah, we're on this uh, Million Praying Moms podcast, right? And James says, if you lack wisdom, pray. Yeah. Uh, God loves to give it to those who trust him for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's never been a time. Honestly, I've reflected on this a little bit over the recent years, and I can't think of a time when I asked God for wisdom that he didn't give it. Um, He may not have given it exactly the way I thought he would, um, and maybe not at the time that I expected it, but I cannot think of a time when God, you know, when I came to the Lord with true intentions and a heart that really wanted his wisdom and said, help me see this, Lord, give me what I need, that he hasn't done that. And and I will say as well, uh, based on what you said, Eric, I've learned that looking for the right way to parent or the best way to parent, well, that's just not the gospel. Because the gospel says that there isn't enough that we can do to be saved. There isn't enough good that we can do to be saved. And so if we're looking at parenting from that perspective, then we've kind of got it all backwards because it is God who does the work. So this has been fantastic. I like to close my podcast episodes by having the guests share some verses and Elise, you shared one just a minute ago. If you would repeat that, maybe for, for everybody listening, if you remember what it was, what were some verses that parents can study and pray as they seek God for raising their children to look like Jesus? And these will be available in our show notes as well. Okay, so the verse that I shared was Isaiah 12, and starting with verse 2 which uh, indeed God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid. (laughs) Oh, those aren't parenting verses. I don't know what they are. Uh, For the Lord, the Lord himself is my strength. Boy, really at three o'clock in the morning is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Beautiful. Others? Well, I was going to read Hebrews 4. I didn't know if, if Eric wanted to hop on, but go ahead. Uh, okay. So, I mean, this to me, this is the, one of the premier passages for parents. Hebrews 4, starting with verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. As a parent. Oh, all my weaknesses. He understands it. But one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, he knows exactly what it's like. And he was, at least for some point in his life, after his earthly father died, the single head of a household. So he knows exactly what it's like to have the responsibility for people in your household. And then Verse 16, and here we go. This is your prayer verse. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So parents, moms, run in there. And sometimes it's just, ah, Jesus help. And other times it's, Lord, I don't know what to do here. This is breaking my heart. Help me. All the time, back back and back to we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, which defines parenting. Approach the throne of grace with boldness. That's Have so at good. it. 
So good. That was my uh, my earliest known prayer as a mom was help me, Jesus. So I totally identify with that. Eric, what would you add? I, you know, the verse that came to mind, and I've I don't know that I've ever put it together with uh, parenting before, is from Isaiah forty six, uh, verses three through four. Listen to me, house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been sustained from the womb, carried along since birth. I will be the same until your old age, and I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will bear and rescue you. I just love that reminder because, uh, you know, God isn't a God that we've ever had to carry. His people have never had to carry him like an idol. He has always carried his people from the time that we are newborn babies unto our old age. And so, you know, that old poem, The Footprints in the Sand, the uh, the thing that's wrong with that poem is there's only ever been one set of footprints. <laughs> there's never been two in the life of a Christian. He's right. He's always carried us. And the weight of responsibility that parenting brings can make it feel like we're responsible for carrying this. And it's God who is carrying us through every part of of our life. And that includes our parenting. Yeah, it is God who holds all things together, right? I always say that to moms. You're not the one holding it all together. It feels like it. It feels like it. And in some ways, I I know you're responsible for so many things, but God is the one that if he lets go, it all falls apart. He's the one holding it together. Well, guys, I want to give Jesus and gender my highest recommendation to everybody listening today. Mm -hmm. If you want more information on what it looks like to have a Christic view of gender and how that affects your parenting, I want you to pick up a copy and read chapter nine. But that said, there is a whole lot more inside of this book that I believe will challenge us as the body of Christ to look at the issue uh, of gender through a more gospel-centered lens. So I recommend the entire thing. Go straight to chapter nine if you want to learn about parenting, but read the rest of it. It's so good. Elise and Eric, thank you both for writing it and for being here with me today. Before we go, though, tell everyone where they can follow along with you both online, where they can order the book, and how they can get involved in your ministries. Okay, so I'm an old person. I'll try to do this. I have a website. It's elisefitzpatrick.com. I'm also sort of on the socials on Twitter at, I think, Elise Fitz. And on Instagram, I think it's Elise underscore Fitz. And I have no idea how I think I'm just Elise Fitzpatrick on Facebook. And then Eric will tell you all about the book website and all of that because I can't be remembering it. Yeah, if you go to JesusAndGender.com, it will have links to where you can buy the book. Uh, It has links to our podcasts and then down by the author bios it has links to all of our social media accounts and personal websites awesome thank you guys again for being here that's it for today till next time friends the lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you may the lord look with favor on you and give you peace thanks for joining me for today's episode of million praying moms You can connect with other praying women by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or by visiting our website where you'll find tools to guide you as a praying mom. 
like our monthly scripture-inspired prayer calendars. Yours for only $5 a month when you become a patron of Million Praying Moms. If you love this podcast and want to be a part of making sure it sticks around and reaches other moms with the message that prayer is not a last resort, but the first and best response to motherhood, consider joining our Patreon family. There are options for everyone, including our $5 a month prayer calendar option, perfect for both the beginner and seasoned praying mom who wants to pray God's word for her children. Depending upon your needs, you can get access to our classes, courses, podcast scripts, discussion questions for each podcast, and even vote on certain aspects related to the ministry of Million Praying Moms. And I also have a free gift for you too. Download your free copy of my resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children, when you subscribe to the podcast. It's a step-by-step guide for how to get started praying the scriptures for yourself and your family. If you love this podcast, would you help us reach more moms with our message by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts? We sure would appreciate it. Find all the links you need at millionprayingmoms.com. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, Search and follow the Messenger Movement podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.